0: Yeah, we're not gonna stop. You know, this hip hop is young. We still, we still growing, and we're not falling for that technology, whatever. You know, this public puts out there now. That you know, before it was the American Dream. Pull yourself out of bootstraps, and you can make yourself. You can make it in America. All these these lies that America told us our whole life. Um, and then when we start getting it, they try to lock us out of it. They start inventing words like you know, capitalists, and you know, things like that. I mean you know, we've been called nigger and monkeys and shit. I don't care. Those words y'all come up with, y'all got to come up with stronger words when I say y'all, I'm not talking about you. The words they come up with, they got to come up with stronger words. We're not going to stop. We're not going to be tricked out of our position. Y'all locked us out. Y'all created a system that, you know, doesn't include us. We said fine. We went our alternate route. We created this music. We did our thing. You know, we hustled. We fucking killed ourselves to get to this space and you know, now it's like, you know, you know, eat the rich and think, man, we're not stopping. So that evolution is, you know, from us, you know, we came from selling seven records and selling uh, records out our trunk and, you know, no radio play. And I think Reasonable Doubt did 36,000 the first week or some, something like that. I'm, I may be I may be uh, adding a little to it, you know, so. You know, we come from the I come from Marcy Projects in you know, my first house, 615 Lexington Avenue. My m- grandmother's house, seven families live like she has seven kids. Uh, my mother and, you know, my parents and siblings lived in that house. My aunt, Nisi lived in that house. Hootie lived in that house. Butchie lived in the basement. I mean, this is one house. I went back to that house. I did an interview with Oprah and and, and I couldn't believe how small this house was, that all of us lived in that house. So, again, that evolution that you speak of is just real and it's happening in real time and I'm talking about it. And, um, you know, I'm, we're not going to stop and we're not going to stop talking about it. We're not going to trick us out of it and make us feel the shame to be successful in a place that, you know, um, set up a system for us to be dead at 21.
1: That's cool. One question. Who's we? In the words of Public enemy Chuck D., Bring the noise (laughs) on the Fifth and Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor, and this is what's good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've all had a good week in the circumstances. Boy, it's a bit a week. It's been a week of stewing for me, honestly. I've been. This is one of those episodes that you just. I just wait for, you know. You just have a few. You have a, you have a few weeks here and there of just like you know, keep it moving, right? Keep keeping interesting. Find a sign that interest, interests you, right? That's that's how I go about it. But th- but sometimes. Everything just comes straight fucking to you, and this is that week, ladies and gentlemen. This is that week where just everything comes to a head for me, and I'm just, I'm just spoiled for choice. Absolutely spoiled for choice. Um, so yeah, we'll get into that when we get into that, of course, right? So you, you see the full show notes. You know that you know the docket, right? Uh, we have a climate, music, sports, and life. Um, we're gonna hop straight in because I have not. I I just want to. I just want to dig my. I just want to sink my teeth into all of this, all all of the all of this good shit, right? Um, yeah, I just want to. I just want to make as much time for the end as possible. So not to disrespect the other subjects, right? Because they all have their place, right? But I'm just saying, I've I've been waiting for this for a while, okay? For literally a week, okay? So um, bear with me. It's just it is what it is. All right, let's jump right in. formalities before we begin. Email, Twitter. Discord and call that all that all that in the full show notes please go give these articles a read give them a read for yourself and support the writers to make this show possible and with that said let the beat drop and let's get into the show And if i sound a bit stuffy it's because my nose is blocked like the hoover dam all right in a week where gazprom shut down european gas pipeline indefinitely angus drummy gay singer of british reggae band aswad dies age 62 bad day for my dad on that one uh chile vote against new and progressive constitution draft and this trust is officially britain's new prime minister well we have we have a we have an, we have a year in change to get into all that. Okay, we'll, we'll get into that. Don't you worry. And at least seventy-four people killed, hundreds injured after a six-point-eight magnitude earthquake strikes uh, southwest China. But we begin uh, with the goat. Uh, we begin with Serena Williams. Um, if you haven't spun uh, my long read from a couple of weeks ago about Serena Williams, uh, where she penned her kind of just a uh, you know. Um, uh, her her state of the union I guess uh, uh, for herself um, kind of hinting at retirement but not actually quite saying retirement she used the word evolving from tennis um, and then she lost in the first round at the US Open a few days ago um, and uh, now we're here um, she's still hasn't technically retired she's doing the she's doing the Jalen Rose where she doesn't she's never actually retired but you know obviously she ain't we might not see a player again play again so um or we'll play you know on a higher level professionally again um so that's the end of a what was that 20 plus 20 plus year career that's crazy uh to think about but yeah uh we have these words from uh the guardian via afwa hirsch uh serena williams showed the world the black women excel that has changed us all and i like that just titling um Just because I feel when this is kind of just a a, uh, what's the word a um, kind of kind of like a reaffirmation of an opinion I have was uh, is when you uplift you know the marginalised everyone is uplifted high tide rises at yeah high tide lifts all ships that's that's the term right yeah so and obviously that doesn't happen in in the actual real world but uh, you know when you do. It benefits us all, believe it or not. But anyway, let's jump right in to see what Miss Hirsch has to say. Miss Hirsch has to say on this front. So you know, name with it. It's my nose. I'm, trust me. It's just ugh, blocked to hell, man. It's crazy. Um, just trying not to sniff. <laughs> I mean, just just trying not to sneeze, uh, uh, do anything. Uh, we don't. I'm trying. I'm just breathing all from my mouth today. I'm mouth breathing heavy just for this episode. Honestly, it's just just to get just to get through. <laughs> honestly, bro, I can't breathe out my nose right now. Anyway. We don't deserve a Serena Williams. Nothing about this world makes it likely that a little black girl from Conton, now quote unquote evolving away from professional competition after a final match at the US Open would become an indisputable GOAT. Witnessing Williams' ascension two S's there uh, to greatest of all time status has been an extraordinary once in a lifetime experience. The sheer longevity of her career sunk in for me when I discovered that Em Raducanu, who Williams has played this season, had not even been born during one of Williams's most memorable seasons 2002 when she won three grand slams in a row but more than her impressive record it is how Williams got here and that here that I most celebrate refusing to assimilate into the rarefied exclusionary culture of tennis and redefining it on her own terms one of my favorite interviews with the star which served so recently shows 11-year-old Williams standing shyishly giggling beside older sister Venus when asked quote If you were a tennis player, who would you want to be like? She almost hesitates to reveal her self-belief, but her answer, when it comes, is unequivocal. I'd like other people to be like me. Born the same year as Williams, I was 11 then, too. I didn't have the language of being unapologetic, or taking up space, of authenticity, or representation. I had nowhere near her confidence, and a goat, as far as I was aware, uh, was a (laughs) hollow-horned mammal. (laughs) <laughs> like uh, like William, uh, Williams, I was a little black girl whose own black consciousness blossomed in the unlikely terrain of the very same grassy Wimbledon soil as Williams' global sporting prowess. Through her and Venus's appearance there in 1998 in beaded braids, I watched young black excuse the plane, black women excel in even the most hostile places on their own terms, bumping into the entire Williams family in our neighbourhood over the years, as I rented houses near our own during tennis, uh, during the tennis, my sister and I were the recipients of various acts of kindness. We've learned, uh, we learned firsthand that these sisters had a sense of solidarity with other black girls they encountered along the way. And tennis was a hostile climate. Growing up in Wimbledon, I glimpsed only the tip of the iceberg when it came to the mountain of structural barriers stacked up against the Williams sisters. Theirs is a story about winning the game before they ever set foot on the tennis court, overcoming poverty, racism, colorism, class. These factors are so often downplayed in the telling of Williams' story in favour of the personal characteristics to make her unique, of which there are plenty. A seemingly more talented older sister, Venus, who, whose early success initially saw Serena's own chances underestimated. Her faith as a Jehovah's Witness, remarkable parents, a level of self-criticism, the depths of which are still being revealed even now. In her valedictory uh, Vogue piece earlier this month, Williams reflected on her four Olympic gold medals, 14 Grand Slam doubles titles, and 23 Grand Slam titles, almost every tennis record imaginable. And yet she still references the success of Margaret Court, who played before the advent of the Open Era, and won 24. Quote, I didn't show up the way I should have or could have, but I showed up 23 times. Was Williams a consolatory verdict? Uh, was Williams' consolatory verdict? and that's fine. There's no questioning Williams's unique talent and drive, but the full truth is a more uncomfortable narrative. We don't deserve Williams because she should not exist. The idea that the Williams sisters succeeded because of their unique work ethic, raw talent, and visionary father, a story of the American dream generously extended to embrace a low-income black family, conceals a darker notion. By implication, people of color who remain in disadvantaged circumstances are there due to their own fault. Williams offers us clear insight into the unfairness of this. How much, uh, However much she is held uh, up as an example of the American dream, she has done her bit to, problemat- to problematize it. Is that a word? Okay. That's no, something every day. Uh, writing about the especially emotive impact of being jeered at during a tournament that had a special meaning for her, she hinted at the intergenerational trauma that informs the African-American experience. Quote, it haunted Venus, uh, Venus and our family as well, but most of all, it angered and saddened my father, dot, dot, dot sparking cold memories of, the, of his experiences growing up in the South, unquote. And when, we're, uh, and when asked about the, the murder of George Floyd, Williams disclosed that she had not watched a video of his death at the hands of police or any other video of a black person suffering the same fate. I can't, she said. It's my life. This, and, men, and the many other instances of abuse she has weathered, have made many black women feel especially protective of Williams, from surviving childbirth in America as a black woman, a shocking percentage of whom do not something uh, she has publicly decried, decreed, decreed, In it, yeah, uh, to the overtly racist tropes too numerous to mention, she has been tarred with. It was this sense of protectiveness and not a stake in the desperate, a depressingly unwinnable competition of masculinities between Will Smith and Chris Rock that angered me at this year's Oscars. Serena Venus executive produced a film that offered a view of the world through their lens when it was hijacked by the debate about which of two men, both of whom have formed for failing to centre black women, was more wrong. I felt cheated on Williams's behalf. She maintained a dignified silence. Williams is selective about how she speaks about her emotional inner world. Which is why her letter announcing her retirement from tennis... Ah, ah, ah Miss Hirsch, not retirement, evolving uh, from from tennis... ...landed with such grace and honesty. I hate it, she said. I don't want it to be over, but at the same time, I'm ready for what's next. What's next is already underway. Like Beyonce, Edward Denifle, and so many other prominent black cultural figures, Williams grew up with a mother who doubled as a seamstress, bestowing on her a confidence in designing her own aesthetic. She has form in collaborating with other black creatives... After the Black Panther-inspired Katsu that she wore to the 2018 French Open, one of her most memorable encore outfits was subsequently banned by tennis officials, citing respect for the game. Williams collaborated with the late, great Virgil Abloh. Her 2019 look was no less bold, a striking black and white two-piece, with matching cape bearing the words Mère Champion... Ch- ch-. I'm, I'm just going to say it. I was going to say it while trying to do it in French. Mère Champion Reine Desse? say mother champion queen goddess fucking honest. I just said that uh, in Ablo's words Williams is a uh, thought leader not just a tennis player okay so that's 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 going to that I want to put a pin in that <coughs> because um that's that's going to that's going to come back in the final uh, final segment uh, just just um, I'm going to try and I'm going to try and remember that and put a pin in that the more Williams was bullied about her physique by various detractors over the years the more she seemed to draw attention to a figure with bold designs, another tendency for which I appreciate her deeply. Her first is into fashion design, which only her most ardent fans will remember, stre- uh, stretched back to the early noughties with the launch of her clothing line, Aneris, uh, Serena spelled uh, backwards, Aneris? Aneris, yeah, whatever. Well, in 2003, which has over the years evolved into her current body-inclusive brand S by Serena, founded in 2019. And she has been quietly but successfully angel investing for more than a decade, injecting capital into companies with diverse points of view in an act of multi-hyphenation that, speaking for myself at least, makes her more, not less, relevant uh, to generations of side hustling entrepreneurial women. Over the the years, I hope that people come to think of me as symbolizing something bigger than tennis, Williams wished as she bade farewell to tennis. That she maybe uh, does not fully realize yet is already done. My hope now is that Serena Williams' story uh, will come to symbolise something even bigger than herself, the reality facing every young black person with a dream. And yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's in its entirety. And, um, you know, I think that I, I, it's actually the last time I'm going to, this will probably be the last time in a while that I'm going to talk about Serena Williams and uh, or maybe until Venus retires um, uh, which is crazy, she hasn't, by the way. Like, just thinking about that, obviously, Venus, the older sister, you think that she would have retired first, but here we are. Um, but, you know, shout out to Venus on that front. Uh, I might do a long read uh, centering her uh, soon. Um, so, yeah, well, m- may or may not uh, spin that uh, if I feel like it. But, yeah, I think. Um, I mean, I've I've heard, I've heard this before. I think it was bon- Bomani Jones who said this, but um, I I personally feel that the Williams sisters are the greatest sports story um, in American history. I firmly believe that, and you know, for the in the world, I guess is is up there, right? Um, but definitely in America, um, in the American story, um, when you think of America as a you know as a if when you boil it down. I feel like the Williams sisters are just the best story you could possibly tell about America through the lens of sport. Um, and I don't know what else I could possibly say on that front and what else I could possibly say that people haven't said before, you know, go it's undeniable to me. Um, it's been like that for years <laughs> um, and uh, it's unwavering. It's unwavering uh, my appreciation for someone like Serena Williams. Um, it's funny i died after after she kind of um you know obviously had uh, olympia and uh, you know had a baby and uh, and just kind of was in and out of tennis over the past few years you know i've kind of just gone off tennis all of a sudden and i just wonder if if she was just the reason i was fucking with tennis at, uh, at most points of my life i'm just trying to think about it right there was actually a time and it's probably still uh, probably not anymore maybe but like there was a time where i was just like if I was into any tennis, it was probably women's tennis, um, because of her, because of Venus, and uh, you know, just seeing the likes of Coco Golf come through, Naomi Osaka, of course, um, Sloane Stevens of course, and, uh, and others. It's just it's just interesting, and um, yeah. She's she's uh she's done a hell of a lot and um yeah like I said there's there's nothing I could possibly say that hasn't been said before about Serena Williams but you know good luck to her on her future endeavors um you know she she's definitely gonna continue being you know just fashion icon on that front um still gonna continue doing a uh, entrepreneurial <laughs> <laughs> entrepreneurial things um I laugh uh, I cough laugh because. Uh, I'm going to reference that at the end, but, um, yeah, shout out to Rastrini Williams, man, just go, just just go it, and, um, yeah, good luck to her on her future endeavors, Um, can't wait to see what she does next. So from something I felt like talking about, um, and I didn't have to, but you know, so I feel like you know she she's done a lot for me personally um, in terms of just memories, right? Um, to something that I feel like should be talked about and should be mentioned. Uh, so this is climate. This is called how melting glaciers fueled Pakistan's. Pakistan. I'm trying. I'm I'm am trying to change my lingo on that front because it's Pakistan's how. I think uh, people want it to be said now. Uh, fatal, uh, fatal floods is uh, written by Benji Jones via Vox, and uh, yeah, so I just feel like it's a good explainer of where uh, Pakistan is at right now. Um, because I don't know, I just don't feel like it's um, you know, especially in British news with all the uh, with all the politics going on. Uh, I feel like this has just been swept under the rug a bit, and um, you know, I don't think there's anything as important right now as climate. Of course, you know, the standard procedure, but let's um, jump right into much of pakistan is now underwater a series of extreme floods has utterly devastated the south asian nation uh, which is home to some 225 million people washing away roads and buildings destroying farms and stranding hundreds of thousands over the weekend which brought another bout of torrential rain government officials said the death toll has soared past 1000 and water had inundated as much as a third of the country the main fuel for these catastrophic floods is rainfall. Summer is monsoon season, and this has been a particularly wet and wicked one, perhaps made worse by climate change. But there's another culprit behind the recent devastation: melting glaciers and snow. See, uh, before I carry on, it's because this is about to about to hit you with a fact. A fact here, uh, right off the bat, but um, this just fascinated the fuck out of me, and I actually didn't know this: um, The that Pakistan hosts the most uh, glaciers, and it says uh, it says it right here, but um, yeah, it's just crazy, Pakistan is home to over seven seven 7,200 glaciers, more than anywhere outside the poles, that's crazy, think about that, anywhere in the world you could afford that, you know, Himalayas, right, you know, so, you know, somewhere where there's like a big-ass mountain in somewhere like that, no, Pakistan, crazy, isn't it? Um, rising temperatures linked to climate change are likely making many of them melt faster and earlier, adding water to rivers and streams that are already swollen by rainfall. Quote, we have the largest number of glaciers outside the polar region, and this affects us, pa- uh, Pakistan's uh, climate minister Sherry uh, Rem- Re- Rehman, I'm going to say Raman, told the Associated Press, instead of keeping their majesty and preserving them for posterity and nature, she said, uh, we are seeing them melt, Unquote. That means that Pakistan, already one of the countries most vulnerable to climate change, will become increasingly susceptible to flooding as the planet warms. It's an unfortunate reality for a country responsible for just a tiny fraction of global greenhouse gas emissions, underscoring how the harm caused by big polluters is often exported. Like many countries, Pakistan will bear an unequal burden of climate, of climate change in the years to come. Glaciers are dense masses of uh, for, for those that don't know what glaciers are by the way glaciers are dense masses of compressed ice found in mountains all over the world from the Alaska range to the French Alps it's normal for them to shrink and grow within a single year they melt in the summer and expand in the winter but on the whole glaciers have grown smaller over the past, uh, past several decades because they've been unable to regain their mass in the winter one simple reason is that heat el- uh, melts ice and the, and the planet is warming up Uh, Higher temperatures can also turn snow into rain, and when rain falls on ice, it further accelerates melting, according to Ulrich Kemp, a professor at the University of Michigan, Dearborn, who's been studying glaciers for roughly 20 years. This is a big problem for Pakistan. Uh, The country is not only a glacier hotspot, but melting in the Himalayas, there we go, one of the main mountain ranges in the country, is accelerating according to a 2021 study. Quote, our findings clearly show that the ice is now uh, being lost from Himalayan glaciers at a rate that is at least 10 times higher than the average rate over the past centuries, uh, Jonathan Karavik, a uh, study's lead author, said in a statement when a study came out. Along with melting, uh, melting snow, glacial runoff can cause rivers to swell, even many miles downstream from the mountains, Camp said. Uh, That's especially worrisome when it coincides with monsoons, which climate change may also be worsening. Partly because hotter air can hold more water. Uh, another quote: With the with this increase of glacial meltwater for the next decades, because of climate change, we will have to deal with floods. Camp said, "There's another way: melting ice can ex- cause extreme floods in the mountains of Pakistan. Wa- uh, water from glaciers forms uh, high elevation lakes, which are often dammed by glacial ice. When there's too much runoff." Uh, those lakes quickly expand and the ice dams can break, producing what is called uh, a, quote, glacial lake outburst. Those breaches are extremely dangerous. In April, one of the hottest months on record in Pakistan, a glacial uh, lake near Mount Shishpar uh, burst, likely because it bloomed too quickly with melted ice. As the Washington Post Karsha Patel reported, water flooded a village in northern Pakistan and swept away a bridge. Um, there's a video there if you want to see it. Uh, northern Pakistan now has more than 3,000 glacial lakes and some of them appear to be forming earlier in the year due to severe heat. Alarmingly, three, 33 of them are prone uh, quote prone to hazardous glacial lake flood uh, uh, Global l- glacial lake outburst flooding according to the UN there we go. Got there in the end. This year uh, there have been more than a dozen glacial outbursts well above the annual average of five or six. It's not clear, however, to what degree those outbursts worsened the flooding in recent weeks. Scientists have yet to determine what role climate change plays in the floods, but it's, uh, but it's clear the warming puts Pakistan at risk. It's not just the floods, it's heat, drought, and other telltale symptoms of rising temperatures. Indeed, according to a global climate risk index developed by a German NGO, Pakistan is the eighth most vulnerable country to extreme weather. Even if global warming is limited to 1.5 degrees Celsius, huh, yeah, sure. the more ambitious goal to, under the Paris Climate Agreement, a third of Pakistan, oh, it, Pakistan's uh, glaciers could still melt. And as they shrink, they could uh, near tipping near a tipping point, Camp said. "Quotes: uh, suddenly, when they are that small, everything turns around 180 degrees from too much water and flooding to drought, Camp said. To that end, Pakistan has called on rich nations to fulfill a pledge they made more than a decade ago to provide low-income nations with $100 billion a year to adapt to climate change. Quote, developing countries, uh, whilst not responsible for the majority of emissions today, too often bear the brunt of climate change impacts. Ambassador Amir Khan, uh, with two A's, uh, Deputy Permanent Representative of Pakistan to the UN. What the hell is it? How are you? Deputy Permanent Representative for I feel like that's just one too many words. Like, remove one of them. Anyway, Uh Pakistan to the UN said at a briefing in July, the specific challenges faced by developing countries in climate change must be recognised. And yeah, you know, I feel I feel like that's just the logical, that's the logical and most common sense thing. And honestly, the easiest thing to ask for. Um, you know, just I I just don't I I I, I it's it's a, it's a level of empathy i just don't feel the, the richer countries have um partly because of the big c capitalism like it's just not gonna happen it's not gonna it's, it's it's gonna come through if they ever gonna give it to you it's gonna come through in some sort of like loan or some shit like you know what i mean gonna, They look at it they can't possibly give you all of that not the, not the kindness of their hearts they're gonna need something back you know what i mean it's gonna need something back you know Just little, little, little. I scratch my back, you scratch yours, or I save your back and you scratch my back because of I saved your life. It's just crazy how demonic uh, richer countries are when it comes to this. I just uh, there's always something. There's always something holding us back. It's just like just the 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 another thing that's going to become a through line in the end. uh, This selective altruism that countries have, like you know. Save Ukraine, by all means. But, you know, when it comes to Pakistan having a third of their whole fucking country underwater, nah, so it's, uh, we, we could chill on that. Take your time. Take your time on that front. You know, it's just it's shit like that that pisses me off. Like, it just... I, I, I don't know how this world is so globally connected, right? But but we still just can't seem to come together on this. It just It just... It boggles my mind. It re- I really just don't understand how, uh, how, in some ways, heartless it, you can be on this front. To just to just watch Pakistan go, go a third of it go into water. I've seen the videos. It's devastating, and I didn't need to see the videos to know it's devastating. But I saw them anyway, um, and I just wonder where 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 does this fit? Where does this fit in in rich countries' uh, agenda? Because you know we we had heat waves um, in this in the summer. And you know, in the grand scheme of things, we had it light. Like we we had it light. you know a couple of uh, obviously, you know people died to heat stroke and stuff like that. You know, forty degree weather in this country just doesn't work right? It's just, we don't have the infrastructure for that, right? But in the grand scheme of things, we get we we are very very privileged. At the we are not bar, bar, uh, carrying the carrying the. I wonder where we rank on that uh, German NGO index uh, that was talking about countries most uh, that will be most affected. I wonder where Great Britain, the uh, UK, I wonder where we sit on that index. I, I'm I'm feeling we're in the lower third at least. Um, and but yet you know we commit. A, l- a lot of emissions, right? Obviously, not like U.S. levels because we're not the U.S. But you know, a lot, a-, a good amount, and um, and we're still a rich country. You know, believe it or not, you would you wouldn't think of it with the cost of living crisis, but believe it or not, we're still a rich country. Um, they just don't they just don't want to help the they they just, just want to kill kill us, right? They just want to kill the working poor. Um, but that's not the topic we're at. But yeah, I just I, I just I can't help it. I can't help just. Coming back to everything here, and it's just like, oh, we're we'll focused on this, we're we'll focused on that. It's just like, well, you've got fucking several people focused on many things, so you know, how about like, you know, just at least go there and just oh, do something, man? It's just the lack of action towards climate change really just pisses me off. And uh, and it's just, and with everything going on with you know, Russia and Ukraine and uh, every, and, and a lot of other things that um, in geopolitics. Pakistan just uh sits there and just goes hello hello just on the phone just on the phone and someone and, you know it's not ringing anymore someone's picked up the phone but for some reason no one is responding that's basically what, where Pakistan's at, at the moment and that's just depressing to think about so uh, you know um you know I, I I hope they get some help soon um imperatively um expeditiously um but you know To talk about this government doing anything uh, substantial and with, uh, you know, uh, not wanting credit on that front, on any front. Yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath. Alright, move swiftly on to life, and uh, if you listened to a few episodes back, um, I, started get, I, I got into an article uh, talking about a certain book, and it was used to talk about, you know, an overall subject, and uh, I saw this one, and this is it was via Unheard, um, which I'm super into right now, um, and I saw another one, and I was like, this is interesting, I'll bring another one, because uh, you know, just to spruce, it, spruce this episode up a bit. Uh, with something uh, you know, just mildly interesting. I think uh, mild entertainment goals. You know, you know the vibes. Um, so this is uh again Byron her This is uh, uh by Tao Lin, uh Taiwanese American novelist, poet, essayist, and short story writer. Um, and his latest novel, Leave Society, was published uh, by Vintage apparently. Um, and it's called uh, Dreams Can Save Us. Our minds tell us stories so we can live. And I just I just find dreams fascinating. Like because. I have dreams. I know I have dreams, but when I wake up, I, I, I barely remember anything. I, I can't tell you a dream I remember clearly. I, I literally can't. And all of the dreams in my life, can't remember any of it, uh, except one. Except one. Weirdly, and I don't know why this just, just came to me, but I remember a dream when I was a youth, uh, where and I'm really really young. I, mu- I must have been like under five, and uh, I remember like a big ass bee. Or like a wasp kind of thing, uh, coming up the stairs and then coming into my room. That's all I remember. I, and I just hear like that's all I hear. That was the only dream I vividly remember. Anything else? Nothing. Just, just nothing. Fragments, barely. Anyway, let's jump right into this because I find dreams fascinating. Um, and should we care? Should we give a shit about dreams? Because what's the point of dream? What's the point of me having dreams if I can't remember them? You know what I mean? Uh, so it's all like a lucid dream where I would love a lucid dream, but Anyway, it uh, starts off with a quote. We tell ourselves stories in order to live, wrote Joan uh, Didion. Uh, she was referring to our conscious selves during w- waking hours. But unconscious unconscious minds also tell us stories uh, so that we can live. This involuntary instinctive subconscious storytelling occurs during dreams, a phenomenon that evolved relatively late in the evolution of life in birds and mammals. Of the primates, humans spend most uh, most time dreaming, 20-25% to 25% of sleep. Sigmund Freud's uh, probably erroneous theory that dreams are unconscious, uh, uh, censored, unfulfilled wishes to be analyzed and interpreted for their true meaning has dominated culture for more than a century. But since the 60s, uh, many other dream purposes have been theorized, tested, and confirmed. In newborns, dreams sim- uh, stimulate neurons to form networks. In children and adults, dreams rehearse coping behaviors, Uh, convert new learning and experiences into long-term memory, assist in problem-solving and creativity, maintain and update our unique identities and allow for emotional acuity uh, so that we don't slip into fear bias, viewing uh, neutral facial expressions as menacing. Uh, My favorite dream purpose is that dreams improve mood. Called the mood regulatory function of dreams theory, uh, this co- this covert complex antidepressant effect was most researched and elucidated by Rosalind Cartwright, uh, who, apparently died uh, in 2021. RIP, a psychologist and neuroscientist known as the Queen of Dreams. What what a moniker to have put that on your business card. Over a period of 40 years, beginning in the 60s, Cartwright did a series of studies on depressed people. Quote. I wanted to study whether there is a natural healing process that could be detected in dreams, she wrote in The 24-Hour Mind. Uh, She had uh, people sleep overnight in her lab, uh, where she repeatedly woke and interviewed them about their dreams. She found that dreams were filled with negative, troubling material, but that they became increasingly positive throughout the night. Another quote, drawing together more and more remote associations. By morning, people felt happier, calmer, and better prepared to live. I hadn't heard this auspicious uh, purpose, which doesn't seem to have ever been theorized before the 20th century, until I read Cartwright's book. When we get a full night's sleep, our minds tell us to uh, tell us around two hours of interconnected stories over three to five dreams, cycling between NREM, uh, non-rapid eye movement, and REM sleep. Uh, the process, uh, quote, works well only if sleep is intact, regular, and long enough to complete its nightly tasks, uh, wrote Cartwright. If we interrupt our mind storytelling each night is like one to three disturbing, depressing, nihilistic short stories instead of one weird, fantastical, autobiographical, ultimately uplifting novel. Dreams. Uh, maybe that's why. Maybe I just don't get enough REM sleep. I don't know. Maybe I get interrupted sleep um, all the time, and that's probably that's probably facts. Uh, dreams also work on problems over weeks and months. Studying divorcees with untreated depression. Uh, Karai compared those who recovered after five months with those who did not. The dreams of the people who didn't recover were simple and brief, with few characters and little to no emotions. The dreams of those who who did recover were long and dramatic, with numerous characters and complex plots, involving many emotions, scene changes, and references to past events. Dreams are just one benefit of sleep. In Why We Sleep, self-described sleep diplomat Matthew Walker uh, shared sleep's many other benefits. Sleep maintains a healthy microbiome, balances the body's insulin and blood sugar levels, cleans the brain, maintains healthy testosterone levels, helping us focus, protects our DNA, enhances the function of every major organ, and strengthens our immune systems. A 2015 study in which the cold virus was squirted up the noses of 164 people, don't to do that for me right now, I've got it, I'm, I'm good, I'm good to fucking go right now. Uh, found that 45.2% of those who slept an average of less than five hours the previous week became affected, as opposed to only 17.2% of those who slept seven or more hours. Walker wrote, "Quote, uh, wrote quote, wrote quote, wrote quote, <laughs> fuck you. <enough. laughs> routinely sleeping at less than six or seven hours a night demolishes your immune system, more than doubling your risk of cancer. Oh, that's nice. That's that's good." nice, nice light uh, factoid right there. Uh, people who chronically undersleep experience microsleeps, in which conscious perception in all channels from visual to audio shuts down for a few seconds, often without the person knowing it. A two-person micro, a two-second microsleep at 30 miles per hour with a modest uh, angle of drift can result in your vehicle transitioning entirely from one lane to the next. Roadwalker, more car accidents are caused by drowsy driving like this than by alcohol and drugs combined. Unfortunately, the sleep deprived do not know they are operating suboptimal levels, at suboptimal levels. Studies have found that people uh, consistently underestimate their performance disability, wrote Walker. The underslept do not know that if they slept a fraction more, they'd be physically healthier, less depressed, anxious, irrational, moody, uh, less dangerous to themselves and others. Our ancestors slept 7-8 hours a night, beginning at around 9pm, and, except in the cooler winter months, 30-60 to 60 minutes each afterno- after- afternoon. According to studies on the Gabra in Kenya, uh, the Hadza in Tanzania, and other Aboriginal groups, some modern cultures retain the schedule with siestas. A Harvard study done in Greece found that individuals who did not have daily naps suffered a 37% increased risk of death from heart disease. Are going be much worse than death, lack of sleep and dreams can lead to unconscious uh, mur- whoa, whoa, whoa! it can lead to unconscious murder of loved ones committed while sleepwalking. Okay, damn, here we go. A twenty twelve study in neurology uh, found that three point six per cent of US adults sleepwalk while a survey of around five thousand people in the UK found that two point one per cent had violent behaviours while asleep. Carl Rice served as a sleep expert in two in two sleep murder cases. Uh, In 1987, a uh, six-foot-five insomnia-ridden man named Kenneth Parks drove 14 miles to his in-law's house where he choked his father-in-law unconscious and fatally stabbed his mother-in-law. Fuck. uh, Imagine doing that and then you just wake up like, oh, that's crazy. In 1997, a chronically sleep-deprived caffeine tablet-using man named Scott Falata stabbed his wife 44 times, rolling her body into a swimming pool. Hey, yo, what the fuck? Okay. That's crazy. In court, Carl Wright argued that Parks and Falata were both in- were innocent. Both men were bewild- bewilderingly motiveless. Uh, both displayed uh, profound remorse and both were unconscious of their actions. Falata is now serving a life sentence in Arizona, while Parks was acquitted by a Canadian court which called his behavior non-insane automatism. Wait, wait, wait. So, the, so in court they were found innocent. So, why is Van a Sar after sentence? Did he do something else? <laughs> like, is there something? Is there, is there something else we don't know about? Like, I don't know. Anyway, uh, right. Whatever. Well, uh, we are always partly dreaming, according to, uh, to according to Cartwright. Our twenty four hour minds, like our bodies, are self healing systems which modern society disrupts. Cartwright wrote, uh, wrote that quote most. Uh, all these, all these rhymes, wrote that quote. Uh, Most of the medications uh, that are prescribed to relieve uh, depression also suppress REM sleep. Sleeping pills, Walker explained, do not provide natural sleep. Ambien produces a destructive kind of sleep, causing a 50% weakening of the synaptic connections formed during learning. Artificial lights, especially LEDs and electronic screens, disrupt the circadian rhythm. Oops, (laughs) as I look at my strip lights right now. (laughs) Uh, as i read on my phone and look on my laptop okay i'm fucked um a hundred years ago less than two percent of americans slept six hours or less a night now almost 30 percent do uh, children are sleeping around uh, sleeping two hours fewer per night than kids a hundred years ago the problem seems worst in the us and the uk this is good news is it really it means that life for many people can easily be improved okay it's uh, so that's a very optimistic way of looking at it. mental illness and physical health problems can be alleviated night by night at home in bed walker wrote that freud made a remarkable scientific contribution to dream research by situating them in uh, in the mind that, that is his theory of wish fulfillment had be uh, that his theory of wish fulfillment had been rejected by modern science dreams are not just in a, uh, epiphenomenon it's actually a word epiphenomenon that's crazy Outstanding word. Love it. Fucking hell. Dude, how much does that get you on Scrabble? Fucking hell. Nor simply a place where we uh, try to fulfill our unconscious wishes. Dreams are, quote, an internal psychotherapist, wrote Carl Wright. Carl Wright was as much a pioneer in dream research as Freud, according to Walker. Her research shows that our minds evolved over hundreds of millions of years, are smarter, more complicated, and more caring of us than anyone ever thought. That was really nice to read. <laughs> I wish I wish that was the last article but um I mean, I, I mean technically it is cuz I'm I'm going to uh, there's there's no particular article for the last uh, for the last subject. But um yeah, I just um <coughs> I don't know what to I don't know how to feel about that. I, I, I know I know I don't have probably the best sleep pattern um I don't I don't have the best rhythm uh when it comes to sleep. Um, but I, I get my, I get a few, I get a good amount of hours in. I get my at least six to eight hours. I know that for a fact. Um, uh, whether I have interruptions in between those is most likely a yes most of the time. Um, whether it is the dog barking for no fucking reason or a plane coming at me at 4am. Um, so yeah, you know, there's, there's plenty of, uh, things that fuck me up. Um, including, you know, my, my strip lights to light my face right now. Um and you know look at my laptop, look at my phone for most at for at least I mean how many screen on a screen on hours do I usually do like a week uh, every day like probably like six hours uh you know yeah probably like six or seven hours uh per day that's probably bad right yeah I don't know I've I've been looking at I've I've had a widget on my phone for for a while of just how many how much screen time like even right now it's uh right now it's like six six and a half hours. <laughs> so yeah it's, it's um it's not good chief it's not good i can do better i know that for sure but um you know i'm not i don't consider myself depressed or anything um so you know there's that but um you know i do have a cold right now so um shit like maybe maybe that has to do with sleep or maybe that's just the changing of, uh, of the fact that summer's dying already literally it just happened as soon as september came around it's just weird how you know now that the weather's um uh, gone a bit more timid to like a uh, twenty-one ish degrees most of the day, and then you know fifteen, fourteen, thirteen at night. You know it's not a major change, but shit, man. I'm I'm just convinced I'm affected more by the weather than most things and most things in the world. Um, I just I don't know. I just believe that in myself. It's probably not a fact, but yeah, man. Shout to dreams in general. Um, I wish I experienced them more vividly, um, but I guess my sleep's just that fucked where. I just uh, have no opportunity to actually hit, see those wacky stories and see those fantastical stories. I would, as, a, as a storyteller, I'd love to I'd love to game one of those and, uh, and use it one day. okay all right let's talk about jay-z mr short car um so as you guys uh, listened in the first uh, first couple minutes of the episode i wanted to put that there just so i don't have to explain it um that's what he said during a twitter spaces last i think thursday or friday whatever i don't really matter last week um and um I've just been I've been thinking about it ever since and uh, this I hope is the uh, only time is is the is a definitive uh, thoughts for myself towards it. I am I'm, I'm just going to hope that I don't sidetrack myself because I haven't written anything down. I do have a few uh, messages, uh, tweets that I kind of want to reference as I go on. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, this might just be all over the place, but I'm gonna try my best to be uh, you know, as coherent as possible. So, the reason, main reason, and the the probably the selfish reason why, um, I am so, irked, by those two minutes. Is, is twofold. So the first one, um. And I'll reference this uh, along with a interview um, I listened to literally last night before, uh, as I was attempting to sleep. <laughs> um, as I was attempting to sleep, um, it was via the Ezra Klein show. Um, it's called "A Grammy-nominated singer performs and explores music's power," and basically, it's. Um, Uh, uh, It it involves, uh, 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 who is it, Uh, uh, Annie Annie Galvin, uh, associate producer of the Ezra Klein show, and she interviews um, artist roots, uh, gospel elements, I'm just going to say root-sized, Alison Russell, Grammy-nominated singer, and uh, she sung a few songs on there. And she said something that really resonated with me, and I really wanted to reference um, pertaining to this subject um, of, uh, of what Jay was talking about i i don't have a religion um i have never really had one i went to a catholic school in you know my primary years so from like you know five to eleven i forget the years but you know just formative years right um you know i sung hymns every day and it actually, actually, actually didn't dawn on, dawn on me. I went to a Catholic school until like uh, four years out of being out of, being, uh, being out of Catholic school. Um, it just dawned on me one time in high school. I was just like, oh shit, I went to a Catholic school. Anyway, I'm not religious. Um, and the reason I'm saying this is because um, the way that Jay-Z, the way that Sean Carter goes about his day, goes about his life now as a billionaire, um, who just so happened to be nice, because that's how I see him now. He is a billionaire first that just so happens to spit his bars. That's all he is now to me. Um, he is a capitalist that just happened to have some decent bars. Um, so I say I, the, the reason why I'm linking these two is because the way he talks about, um, the way he's talking about everything in that clip, the way he talks about hip hop um may come off to you as a as a kind of like a you know a frontline general marching toward marching us towards prosperity. But ladies and gentlemen, that's not how capitalism works. Capitalism doesn't work like that. See, Jay-Z might um clearly, through that clip, has told me another thing, um, and that he doesn't read. He doesn't read. He he doesn't read text. If you think capitalism is <laughs> somehow a connection towards the n-word or the use of monkey um in derogatory terms uh it it, it blows my mind how you come how you come across that um I, d- I just don't know how you managed to get there uh you know as, as a is 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 a tweet um Stevie map. He really said we quote unquote made up the word capitalist to trick wealthy black people into feeling ashamed about being successful. That is what se- that's what's sending me. And that is what sends me. Um and also eat the rich, um because clearly you don't read, Jay. Um because you don't read. Um, actually the the term eat the rich came from uh, uh was rooted in the French Revolution so um feel free to do your googles on that front um it wasn't created yesterday okay so anyway um the reason why I mentioned religion is because the way that Jay's talking about this um makes me have really kills my hope for hip hop it really kills my hope for hip hop um the way he's talking about it, um, comes off as so cold, uh, comes off as kind of deluded and it worries me. It scares me. I can make jokes about him. Um, you know, and I have been for the past week, right. For many, for many people, but it really does scare me. And it really sends home a feeling that I've had for years, um, where, I just, I, I've been asking myself, can hip hop actually be saved from this, from being tied to this capitalist machine? And the answer is no, because the likes of Jay Z, the likes of Sean Combs, have tied it to capitalism, and we're just there. We're just there, a lot, and hip hop is there. Come hell or high water, it's going to be with capitalism until capitalism dies, and when capitalism dies, so we, and <laughs> and hip hop dies because of capitalism. It's like a weed. Um, actually let me stop there I'll get to the weed bit in a sec Um, the reason why I mention religion is because I consider hip hop close as possible to having a religion for myself art in general is a religion to myself close, I wouldn't say that outright but it is close I hold art to such high esteem I hold art so close to my heart that when I see people threaten it, it pisses me off. It makes me scared for what they're trying, that for what they want to do. And they come through with these great intentions, right, as capitalists do. They come through with these great intentions. We're, we're here to do this. you are here to do that. You're here to kill us, bro. You're here to kill art in some ways. Um, I see, I, I write, I do photography music, literally, I have music that soundtracks my life, and I've had music, I've had hip-hop soundtracking my life for the majority of my life since the age of probably 14, so for over 10 years now, and uh, for, you know, nearly half my life now, and for a lot of important moments in my life now, as I grow up. And to see hip-hop be used this way um, really makes me sad. To see Jay going, we're not going to stop. Who the fuck is we? I ask that question again. Who the fuck is we? Because I don't associate myself with Jay-Z. I don't think many people that love hip-hop can associate with themselves with Jay-Z. The average musician in the US um, earns uh, around like 25k. A year, which is you know modest, but that's the average. That's the average. Jay zs is a multi-billionaire. You are not the same, and not in a good way. I don't say that in a good way. You are not the same. You are not in the same camp. I would go as far to say as you are not black anymore, Jay Z. You are a black bourgeoisie, which is way different, way different. The fact that you weaponize your own background like this really, really kind of makes me feel sorry for you. But then again, don't because you don't care, really. You don't give a fuck. I saw that Guardian article. You guys can go look up. Go look up Jay-Z Bitcoin School. Go look it up. Do your Googles. See what happens. See what comes up. The fact that you are doing everything, everything in the name of, let's be real, selective altruism, the fact that you do all this shit um, in the name of uh, you, try, you know, being be different and uplifting our community. Bollocks. Bollocks. Another tweet here from uh, at Lil Sexy Commie. Love the name. The problem with eat the rich, uh, with rich black folks like Jay-Z, Diddy, etc. is that they want to be revolutionary figures like Malcolm X, Fred Hampton, etc. But they still want to have their sta- statuses as actual capitalists. It just doesn't work that way. You can't have it both ways. Continuing on with two more tweets. You can't be the Black Bill Gates and Malcolm X at the same time. Malcolm X, Fred Hampton were murdered for radicalizing black people, brown people, poor people, etc. They are not costumes. They were people who wanted better for all of us. I just want you all uh, to be the proud capitalists that you are without trying to intellectualize it. Uh, Don't tell me you're a billionaire because it's for the culture. I'm not benefiting from that. You all being billionaires won't improve any of our lives. That's just the truth. Another one, um, an in a in a in, a, in a addendum to this tweet, literally quoting in the tweet from, at uh Haw, Hawillis D C H A W I L L I S D C. I actually think hip hop is a great case study in why black capitalism sucks. All the OGs got rich, sold the culture out to rich white folks, and continued to make their fortunes partially by exploiting younger black artists. If the state of rap doesn't convince you, I don't know uh, what will. Show me a black million-slash-billionaire with a label, and I'll show you several exploited collaborators-slash-artists dispossessed of money and intellectual rights. They can't even liberate the people they stole uh, from, let alone us, LMAO. Pharrell need to pay, and this is obviously in reference to the Kalis and Beyonce thing, Pharrell needs to pay Did uh, Diddy need to pay Mace, Biggie's family, and the Lox uh, J need to pay everybody career he stalled at Roc Nation, Birdman need to pay Wayne again, fuck 1501 and L.A. Reid, like liberate your artists first, you all can't even revolutionise the music industry. This is the thing. And I'll add an old addendum onto the addendum onto the addendum. These people that that hip-hop so deify at this point. Jay-Z for a little bit different reasons than for the likes of Diddy because we're not trying to hear Diddy raps these days. Um, but whenever, whenever I see a Jay-Z uh, verse come through Oh, bit
0: verse in
1: you That's what you lot sound like on Twitter. Right. I'm just fucking, you know, polishing. When hip hop, quote unquote, the culture deifies these people uh, and, um, and puts them on such a high pedestal, it kind of makes me sick. Because they're the people that, in my mind, killed hip hop. In its essence, in its essence, and I say killed in a quotation marks because I feel like there are people that are still upholding hip hop to this day. Me included, I feel. Personally, me, I hold the tenets of hip-hop in myself, within myself. I try to, anyway. There are many people that do. From the graffiti artists, to the DJs, uh, to the archivists, uh, to the academics. They all hold this, funny enough, within the fifth element, which is knowledge. Which, clearly, Jay-Z doesn't have enough of, because he doesn't read. Okay? Um... But when you but the, consider these, uh, I'll put it in a different light. These people, the um, these twi- these twi- those uh, great tweets mentioned, they're landlords. They're music landlords. That's what capitalism has done to the music industry and hip hop specifically. In this case, they've made the, they 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 are music landlords. It wasn't enough. So this is the difference, guys. If you are under if you're not understanding between. When when people, you know, uh, are supporting people, get in the bag, right, and getting money, get your ca- get your coin up, what stack your pee. When people all support that, in my and I do too, go get your pee, go stack your pee, go get your coins, get the bag, whatever you want, right? Do it, go get it. Right? When I say that and when I hopefully most people say that, they say it in terms of within their own realm, within their own skill set for the likes of jay-z it's different it's not i want my masters it's not that it's not i want my masters it's not just i want my masters it's i want my masters and i want everyone else's masters you can't have your masters i want it that's what it is that's what it is it's music landlords that's what these people are they're leeches (laughs) they, <laughs> there's a, uh, I saw a trailer for um, uh, Hassan Minhaj's uh, King's Jester um, uh, on Netflix. It's uh, coming soon. And uh, one joke that uh, I saw in the trailer that just, again, just came back to this, funny enough. Um, said that He said, I, I want to be like Diddy. And I'm just like, where are you going with this? I, I, was, I was squinting. I was, uh, when he said that, I was like, okay, where are you going with this? He's like, I want to be like Diddy. I want to be a- alive. With all uh, talented people around me dead, <laughs> or something like that, with with dead more ta- with more talented people dead around me, and it's fact. It's fact. Look at the people that these pe the- cap. You don't become a billionaire without fucking literally killing people, and you have the audacity to ask for a pat on the back because you saved a people a couple of people out of prison. Are you don't piss me off. How about instead of all that, I've got got some advice. How about instead of all that, you use your money, use your power in this capitalist system and change the fucking criminal justice system. You will save everybody. You will save everybody and we'll give you the praise that you fucking deserve if you do that. But no, you're not going to do that. You know why, ladies and gentlemen, you know why they're not going to do that? Because it doesn't fit the bottom line. It doesn't. It doesn't make the. It doesn't make the portfolio go green that year or for that quarter. It doesn't. That doesn't. That doesn't get the. That doesn't get the coin up. That doesn't lift up the portfolio, quite like, uh, uh, uh investing in a fucking champagne bottle. It just doesn't. Mm, doesn't. Doesn't hit the. Doesn't hit the portfolio like that. Doesn't hit different. Hits. Hits like an L. Hits like a. Hits like losing money. Can't have that. Can't have losing money. Can't have that. And, um, I don't, I don't really have the, um, I don't really have the locational, uh, rights to say this as a black British person, but I'm going to say it anyway, because unlike Jay-Z, I've read Malcolm X, um, and I've read about the Black Panthers and Fred Hampton, so I feel like I have some way of saying, uh, some, uh, uh, leeway to say this. You are As a black capitalist, the direct antithesis of what the likes of Fred Hampton and Malcolm X and even funny enough, since you're wearing your hair like Basquiat recently, you are the antithesis of what their words, what their actions and what their art respectively are about sounds tough doesn't it it does but I just can't I I can't do this anymore ladies and gentlemen I can't I can't sit by and be just simply critical about this anymore I I was gonna talk about weeds and uh, I'll finish on this um the 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 weeds point I was gonna make I was gonna make was this when you have a weed in your garden um you know You don't like weeds in the garden, right? Nobody likes weeds in their garden because they're weeds. Why would you want a weed in your garden, right? I see weeds um, in the same way I see racism. Very simply. Stay with me here. Let me land. I see weeds as a metaphor for racism. If you leave that weed, then racism will grow. Now you might still not like weeds... But you haven't pulled out the weed. So weeds the weed's going to still grow right. And if you leave racism to just. There. If you just leave racism. Uh, whenever it happens in front of you. And you don't confront it. And correct it. And you check it. And you pull out the weed. If you don't do that. Then you're perpetuating racism. Are you not. I want to apply that to capitalism now. Because I feel like it's untenable right now. It's untenable. In this day and age, it's untenable. You can't have people uh, dying in the... dying in streets, dying because they can't get a certain drug, dying for whatever stupid fucking reason that could easily be... excuse me, easily be changed via policy or just by some good old altruism or some good old good deed that a billionaire could do a thousand, maybe a million times over, but choose not to because, same with me, ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't hit the bottom line. doesn't make that portfolio go up. Anyway, if you don't see Jay-Z as, I'm going to pick my words carefully. If you don't see him as a net negative, there you go. I was going to say something a bit more heavy but i think that's i think that's good a net negative to use some business lingo if you don't if you don't see him as a net negative hip-hop won't be hip-hop is will continue to wither and continue to be this underground in my mind as an essence an underground thing held by certain individuals in the world Held by a little communities in the world. Little pockets. Because what I'm seeing in the mainstream right now is not hip-hop to me. And I'm just going to say that outright. If you If you don't see capitalism in the same way you do as racism now. I can't help you. I'm seeing capitalism in Jay-Z. He's so entrenched in it. That he's literally bulldozed his own ends. For a fucking Barclays Centre. He doesn't care anymore. He has been a billionaire for how long now? Of being the capitalist. Or the. Oh sorry. That's that's a, that's a dirty word to him. Sorry. Yeah, use better words apparently. Because you know. That's offensive apparently. Um, but you know. Funny enough. He doesn't use the word capitalist. So. He used the word entrepreneur. I'm not a businessman. Finish the lyric. So yeah. That was um. I think semi-coherent. I think I got there. I think I made my point. I just can't... I I, I personally see him as a direct threat to hip-hop. Because I don't think hip-hop was built in the image of what capitalism is. But now, what it is in the mainstream term is that. Chained to capitalism, chained to late-stage capitalism... And nobody bats an eyelid. Everybody participates in it. Even the artists I love. Even the artists I love that may not, you know, be quote unquote capitalist, right? In in essence, but they're participating in the game. And again, if you aren't combating it, you are letting it fester. And I want to leave on one more quote. It's from Audrey Lord. For the master's tools... Will never dismantle the master's house. They may allow us to temporarily beat him at his own game, but they will never enable us to bring about genuine change. And that's it. So, ladies and gentlemen, from the Fifth M Podcast Network, I'm Charlie Taylor. This has been what's good. Intro music has been too much by Vanilla. You can uh, thanks to your music for being to use us track. You can uh, find both of their links in the full show notes. Thanks to Nappy Hire, friend of Five you Nappy Hire used Charismatic for the interlude, you can also find his link in the show notes. And with that said, I hope you all have a good week. I shall sure always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.